Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of The Culture Kid. I'm your host, Seth Farrow, and we have a great show for you today. We're going to do a little catching up in our segment, The Who and What. There will be some Star Wars Day news and Mother's Day related stories there. We'll also be continuing our community helpers theme as we have Tom Miller of the Messina Fire Department joining the show today. We'll talk all about firefighters, fire prevention, and more. Finally, we'll wrap the show up with our segment, Seth Asks. We have a very busy show today, so let's get it started. It's the Who and What. We're going to do some catching up on the Who and What today, starting with a story related to Star Wars. Now, Star Wars has been around for decades, since the 70s. I know I'm stating the obvious here, but that's actually relevant to this story. Any movie or even a show that has massive popularity and a huge following is bound to have merchandise. And if it's a universally beloved film for all ages, like Star Wars, there are definitely going to be toys, or at least action figures and collectible toys. It's been that way forever. Now, in the 70s, when Star Wars first came out, Kenner had released a set of action figures of all the characters. If you collect any sort of Star Wars memorabilia, past and present, then you'll definitely want to be on the lookout for a re-release. That's right, later this month, Hasbro is going to be releasing the Star Wars Retro Collection A New Hope Collectible Multipack. It'll include action figures of Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker, a Stormtrooper, Princess Leia, and Han Solo. In a preview of the packaging, in its Fan First Wednesday livestream on Star Wars Day, Hasbro showed individual Star Wars action figures and a collection of all six characters. All of these packages had the Kenner logo on them and what looks to be pretty much everything else intact, as well as a symbol that says Retro Collection. Now, Hasbro has re-released other toys in the past, and if you want to buy these, they'll be available for pre-order starting May 26th on Hasbro Pulse and Shop Disney. So those are the two websites to pre-order from. Star Wars superfans, you may want to pre-order as fast as you can. Now for a Mother's Day story. It's something that kind of goes into the origins of Mother's Day. Mother's Day has actually been around since the early 20th century. Anna Jarvis had an idea in which she imagined a national day of togetherness and remembrance. A day that would be observed by visiting family, if possible, and the symbolization of her mother's favorite flower, a white carnation. Now, the first official Mother's Day observance occurred in 1908, and throughout the years following, she successfully campaigned to get it recognized on a national level. However, over the years, she felt that the holiday had really lost its original meaning, and she didn't like what it became across the country. She spoke to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 1944 and really voiced her frustration. The greeting cards that we send to our mothers, she didn't like those. She called them a poor excuse for letters that were preferred by lazy people. That candy that we give to our moms. She felt candy was meaningless because somebody other than the mother usually ate it. She didn't like Mother's Day stamps, slamming those as sheer commercialization. According to Olive Ricketts, the director of the Anna Jarvis Museum, she says that Jarvis always said the best thing to do for Mother's Day was to either go see her mother, if you could, or write a long handwritten letter. Don't use other people's words to tell your mother how you feel because they don't really know how you feel about your mother. Ricketts said Jarvis was furious about how Mother's Day became so commercialized and even tried to get a petition to get rid of Mother's Day, but she was put into a sanitarium by the staff of the hospital she had wandered into, who claimed she was emaciated and nearly blind, and she was there until her death until 1948. She also never profited from Mother's Day and had no money at the time she entered the sanitarium. 
But the executives of the card and florist companies paid the bills to keep her there. Talk about silencing and corporate greed. Now, for those of you who are wondering how her hometown celebrated Mother's Day after Jarvis's death, in 2016, Ricketts said the town did tours and the International Mother's Day Shrine started their programs, which included singing and praising, something they would have done the very first time in 1908. Ricketts said Jarvis probably would have approved the part of the honoring the mothers in the way she intended, but probably not the commercialization of it. Now, I didn't know the whole story behind Mother's Day, so this was definitely an interesting story. Now for this week's pop culture story. You may remember the viral duo from the early 2010s, Sophia, Grace, and Rosie. They appeared on The Ellen Show in 2011 after the video of them singing Nicki Minaj's Super Bass went viral. Nicki even appeared on the show to sing the song with them. This spawned a number of appearances on the show in the years following, including a Tea Party segment where Sophia and Rosie interviewed numerous celebrities, including Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, and Miley Cyrus, among others. Their appearances on the show even spawned a movie starring the two of them. Now, Sophia and Grace recently appeared again on Ellen as part of her farewell season, where she's brought past guests from throughout the show's run back to the show to get updates, and this time, Sophia, Grace, and Rosie are all grown up. Sophia Grace, who's now 19, said that her and Rosie always used to dress up in tiaras and tutus, and among playing dress-up, they were always singing around the house. Now, one day, Sophia's mother wanted to get a video of her and Rosie singing, so she filmed them singing Super Bass, and that's how their journey began. She talked about how the memories of meeting Nicki Minaj and chatting with Drake at the red carpet were two of her favorite memories with the celebrities. And Rosie, who's now 15, says one moment that stood out to her was when Justin Bieber kissed her on the cheek. She said that when she was a kid, she thought it was gross. But looking back, she said now that she's older, she'd let him do that again. And before they left the stage, they performed Super Bass one last time for the audience and the viewers to see. And if you want even more of them, they're both releasing solo music. Sophia Grace has a new video out for her song Little Things, and Rosie has a music video out for her song Safe. So Sophia Grace and Rosie fans, go stream their new music. And that's your app for the Who and What. Now it's time for Saf's Guest. We've been having community helpers on the show for the past few episodes, and this time I'm interviewing a firefighter. I spoke with Tom Miller of the Messina Fire Department about fire prevention, what it's like being a firefighter, and why your kids should be taught fire prevention as early as possible. It was a good conversation. Check it out. Please welcome Tom Miller from the Messina Fire Department. How are you doing today? Good, Seth. How are you doing? I'm not doing bad. I'm doing well. Can't complain. Can't complain. So you are a firefighter, and I'd imagine there are a lot of experiences you face, a lot of different challenges, but also a lot of good things. What is it like being a firefighter? Well, there's a, there's a lot of positive in being a firefighter. It's, it's phenomenal to be able to serve the people of the community and the surrounding communities. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of brotherhood in being a volunteer fireman. Um, I would not change it for the world. It's just, it's something I enjoy. It's something I live, breathe, sleep. And it's just something that I have a lot of passion for. And people can become firefighters. What is the training like? How is the training involved? Like what, how is the training? Well, there there is some state mandate training that you have to go through. And uh, one is called BFO, which is 
basic uh, exterior fighting, fighting operations. The one is IFL, which is the interior, which is the guys that actually put the packs on and go inside of a burning building. So those are two of the minimums that you have to meet through um, the state level to become a certified firefighter. Um, and then on the local level, um, Messina Fire has two trainings a month, roughly four to six hours a month we train. Uh, we do it on a month, one first Monday of the month and then the third Saturday of the month. So um, we do a lot of in-house training. And then, you know, all firefighters go out and get added uh, courses, whether it's vehicle uh, operations so you can operate the apparatuses, whether it's a uh, extrication course so you learn how to properly um, cut up a card to get somebody out that's been involved in a rollover or whether it's uh, water rescue or any along, there's a lot of specialty training out there, but the minimum is BFO and IFO, which is the basic and interior firefighting. And then always you have to meet minimum standards throughout our training in our department. So that's why we offer two training sessions a month so that our guys can meet their minimums. Definitely. And another question I had for you was, how many paid firefighters do you have and how many firefighters are volunteers? Okay, uh, Messina is what you call a combination fire department. And I, I will tell you, after my 32 years of serving as a firefighter, it is the best way to go. We have nine career staff guys, uh, which are the guys that are man the station. We have two guys man the station 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and then we have 53 volunteers right now active volunteers so it's it's a very large department and i'd imagine you know there might be scrambling when there's a fire what happens when you get a call for a fire when a call comes in do you ever partner with other towns and fire departments when the fires get really really big and need more help yes and i, I think your question there is do we uh, uh take part in mutual aid systems and yes that does happen um whatever, there is a county-wide mutual aid plan and which means every department has to provide mutual aid systems to other local departments. So when Messina gets a large fire, uh, whether, you know, house, barn, garage, uh, industry fire, whatever it may be, we absolutely use our surrounding uh, communities, whether it's Louisville, Norfolk, Brazier, Helena, Aquasasne. Um, we call them in whether it's uh, for water or manpower or to cover our area in case we have a second call. So there is, there is a lot of mutual aid up here in the North Country. And I will tell you, Seth, straight up, none of us would survive without helping each other. So it's, it's, it's a brotherhood to work together with the, even the surrounding communities. I would imagine so. I mean, and it's always, I always say, it's amazing what you can do as a team when the whole community can collaborate, you know, people from other areas, definitely using what we can do as a team for sure. Um, has COVID affected the, the number of people who volunteer for firefighters? Have you seen a decrease in volunteer firemen? Um, we're, it's fortunate for us. We didn't take a hit on that. Uh, I believe some other communities have. Uh, COVID was very challenging for us, Seth, as you would know. Um, it really changed a lot of our policies and procedures because of the pandemic. Um, so it did take a toll on us. We got to the point where we were actually doing a shift rotation so that um, depending on the size of the fire and the nature of the, of the call, but we were actually doing shifts so that if somebody was exposed, it would not be exposed throughout the whole department. 
So us chiefs had made sound decisions on how we were going to respond um, to uh, the nursing homes and the hospitals. And even, even at a residence, you just never knew during a pandemic. So we set up a, a, a rotation, which worked out very good for us. We're very fortunate. And, and the answer to your question is we did not take a hit during COVID. We, there was some challenges, but we didn't lose members over COVID. That is good. Good that you were able to keep the team, you know, and, you know, when what's that expression Um, when they always say that, you know, even when a problem arises, as long as you have a team, that's really good. When um, when there's a will, there's a way. I think. That's right. Expression. Yes. And that's will, exactly what happened. We found the will and the way to get through the pandemic. I mean, we know it's not over completely yet. Uh, it has lightened up. But uh, we when it was in the heat of the pandemic, we did some changes, um, but we found a way to pivot through it. Definitely. And I know firefighters do um, a lot of here in the, our fire department. There's a lot of fundraising. What are some of the events and fundraisers that you do throughout the year? Well, Messina Fire um, obviously is known for the chicken barbecue. So we hold two chicken barbecues a year, which is really well attended. Um, we have a golf tournament, a very large golf tournament, the first week of September, uh, which is a really decent fundraiser for us. In the past, we've had car shows. In the past, we've had raffles. Um, you know, whatever is out there for us to uh, get and gather money for equipment is is crucial because the price of equipment keeps going up, as everybody knows. So, without fundraising, local volunteer fire departments would not survive. So, you know, it's the basic chicken barbecues, the car shows, the golf tournaments, and. You know, we do get people that actually, you know, send us a letter and, and donate us through the mail or other ways. So it's 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 a really nice knowing that this community supports Messina Volunteer Fire Department 100 percent. Definitely. And firefighters are very important members of our society. So it's always good to support them, to support you guys, because, you know, if you don't have firefighters and there's a fire, you know, I don't know what you do. And you also do Fire Prevention Week. Can you tell our listeners when that is? Yes, uh, actually, that is my baby. Uh, that's one of my biggest passions. Um, I am the chairman of our fire prevention uh, program here in Messina. Um, just yesterday, we did a mock DWI drill for all juniors and seniors at the high school because Saturday is prom. Uh, that was very well received. And that's part of our fire prevention program um, in so, and then we do fire prevention at the high rise and Grassmere, um, Sina housing. Um, I, I just got a request uh, two days ago to go in to talk to senior citizens. And then the week that you brought up is our uh, busy week. It's always the uh, week of October 9th because uh, of the big fire in Chicago. Um, so that's called fire prevention week. And we are very extremely busy that week. Um, we attend all the schools. The, all the elementary schools, Trinity Catholic School, junior high and senior high. And we provide programs for all the elementary and Trinity Catholic. We go in there and in lower grades, we put on a skit. I will say like um, stop, drop and roll, talk about matches and fire, you know, lighters, playing fire. And then the older kids, we take the older kids out to look at the ladder truck, explain some of the equipment to them. And in those, that whole time, we are preaching fire prevention. We are preaching how to get out and stay out, practicing it. We are preaching smoke detectors. 
We make sure they constantly try to make sure they're testing them. Um, we have found in the past, Seth, that um, some of the younger kids didn't know their addresses. So we asked the teachers to help us work on that because they got to know where they're calling from. Um, so it, it's the fire prevention is a week long. So that typically is what we do on Monday and Tuesday. We go to the schools. Wednesday, we hold our annual drill, which we bring in mutual aid from other departments so we can practice with them. And the reason we do that drill is for the community. We have a lot of people come down Wednesday night to check out our equipment, watch us function, watch us do our drills, whether it's uh, putting the ladder truck up or you know putting holes, water through the holes or using the other equipment. Um, and then at, after that, we um, on our that following weekend, we have our annual banquet, which we invite um, local politicians. We invite um, all of our active members and past members. And um, so it is really, really extensive week. And I will tell you that is my baby. And um, so I will continue to try to improve on fire prevention every day that I can because, you know, smoke detectors save lives. Learning your escape plan saves lives. So early prevention and, and getting that um, alert from your smoke detector to get out saves lives. So those are the things that we teach and fire prevention is the most important tool that the fire departments have because with fire prevention, like example, when we roll up or I roll up as a chief and everybody is out of the house and they're at their meeting spot, I'm able to walk up to them and when they assure me that everybody's out of the house because they practice their fire prevention, it's a lot easier on the uh, attack. It's a lot easier because nobody's inside. We know that for a fact. So our tactics might change, but if somebody's inside or we're not sure of it because they didn't practice and somebody didn't, you know, meet at the fire spot, then it's a whole different game when somebody's inside. So fire prevention is the biggest tool that we have. And I remember, and this was 15 years ago. I remember when you guys came to our school, I went to Madison school and we watched, um, we went into the gym and I was in first grade and it was like a Looney Tunes cartoon, I think about yes. smoke detectors. Yes, it was. I don't know what the name of it is. Uh, we got rid of that one. I can't, uh, boy, you're testing my memory now, Seth. Uh, yeah. Um, was it, was it uh, stay alive? Get outside. I can't remember. Yeah, you're I'm testing like my that. memory. And it, was, and it was a mix of live action and the Looney Tunes character. Yes. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. And and I imagine you probably got rid of it by now because that was also on a VHS, I believe. You know, yeah. back when VCRs and VHSs were still a thing. But yeah, I remember you guys doing that. And I've seen in the past, like when I was in school, you guys would go outside and show the kids the fire truck. I'd imagine that was a substitute for what you were doing, you know, with the VHS, unless you were right. always doing that. Right. You mentioned how people can stay safe by having a smoke detector. What are some other ways people can stay safe or try to prevent a fire from happening? Well, fire prevention, early early um, alertness or early fire uh, detectors are probably one of the best ways because obviously if you have a smoke detector outside of your uh, bedroom, that goes off versus you don't have one and the smoke's already in your bedroom. Other ways that we preach is uh, get out, stay out. Now we ask, we ask everybody to practice a escape plan, whether from your bedrooms, get in your bedrooms and practice that. Sound the alarm, practice, crawl out, stay low, get out, 
and have a meeting spot, whether I can remember it used to be our neighbor's garage. That's where my mom and dad always told us to meet, you know, get out of the windows if you have to, because if the door's hot, what's on the other side of the door? If the door's hot, it's fire. So um, we had a meeting spot and it just happened to be the neighbor's garage. So uh, we preach that, get out, stay out. There's a lot of people that will, will ask you, well, should I go back in for if somebody's trapped? No, that's absolutely our job to do. We have the equipment to do it, Seth. Um, our, our gear and our air packs allow our interior firefighters to go inside and do that. We got technology now, we have thermal imaging cameras that you can just hold up, or we even got them in our helmets now, where you can see bodies or whatever, animals or whatever that's inside a smoke-filled room. So um, practicing your escape plan is the biggest thing too, along with uh, smoke detectors. And obviously practicing uh, safety inside. Don't store anything inside an oven. Uh, getting your wood stoves checked every year and inspected. You know, a lot of house fires start with cracked flues in, in your chimneys. So um, space heaters, Seth, have become a, an issue. Um, not, in, not following manufacturers' recommendations and covering the uh, extension cord or putting them in extension cord, which is a huge no-no. If you got a space heater, make sure you plug them directly into the outlet or trying to cover them with a rug so you don't see the cord. That's a no-no because obviously that conducts heat. So there's a lot of little things that you can, you know, parents putting match, uh, matches and lighters up out of the way so little ones can't get a hold of them. So those are all the things that we try to teach other than just, you know, working smoke detectors. Another thing they always used to say when you're in a, when you get caught on fire, stop, drop, and roll. Yes, and and I don't know if you remember that. Uh, we used to put mats out, and we used to pick three or four students um, in first grade area and, and have them come up and simulating stop, drop, and roll. Yep. Yeah, I remember they used to do that in the schools. And when I was in preschool, they used they were having us practice stop, drop, and roll. And of course, when I was younger, I had some gross motor issues, so I had trouble doing it. But I remember they used to do that there too as well. They used to have the kids do that. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely good ways to start. And the earlier, the better. Um, where can people find you? Find the fire department on social media? Uh, we have a Facebook page. Messina Volunteer Fire Department's got a Facebook page. Um, and we have an email. You can email the chiefs. Um, so basically, that's where we are at, so in, at the social media aspect, mainly our Facebook page. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Tom. I appreciate it. Okay, Seth, take care and you have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's time for Seth Asks, and I have a mom-related question I wanted to ask all of you. First, though, I want to recap some more comments we got a couple of weeks ago on our one Facebook post for the segment. You see, the show was recorded on a certain day and at a different time, so when the show was recorded, Another answer was sent in, so at that time I wasn't able to read it on the previous episode. But this week I'm going to read another comment from episode 10, so let's see what you had to say. In episode 10, I asked you to tell me how you like to help others. Here's what you had to say. Of course, I mentioned Ronnie helps people through her job and by being a nice person. Here's a comment from Robin. She says her father struggled with alcohol abuse and her family's struggles inspired her to want to help others who are touched by their addiction. Robin has been an addictions counselor for nearly 13 years, the same amount of years her dad has been sober. She says because of her experiences, she's able to help others become better versions of themselves, and she's helping them see they're worthy of having a happy, healthy life. 
That's a very inspiring story. And it's good to see that there are people out there that want to help people who struggle with alcohol and drug addiction. Thank you, Robin, and thank you to everyone who shared their answers and stories with us. Now, last week was Mother's Day, and I'd initially planned on doing a short 10-minute episode, which would be a Mother's Day edition, but things became busy and there just wasn't enough time to do that. So what I'm going to do instead is ask you a Mother's Day-related question. I want you to tell me what your favorite memories of your mom are. What is one thing you and your mom have always done together? I'd like you to tell me any sort of mom memory that you have. Let me know on our Facebook page, The Culture Kid. We post our Seth Ask questions there. We post show updates, pictures, and even exclusive clips. Go check us out on Facebook, The Culture Kid. I really want to hear from you. I'm Seth Farrow. Thanks for listening.